Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Game Cola Podcast. This is podcast number 66. With me today are Michael Gray and Anna Bernarski. Everyone introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Michael Gray. Hi, I'm Anna Bernarski, and I'm eating a Pop-Tart. <laughs> and I'm Jetty. Today we're going to talk about video games. Does anyone have any video game news? Um, Grand Theft Auto came out. Is that the game everybody's talking about or referencing? I think yeah. so. Or is that Animal Crossing? I, I don't know the difference between the two. <laughs> I think that was last month. I'm still getting, like, tons of things about Animal Crossing on my feed, and, like, people, I don't know what Animal Crossing is. Please stop referencing it. <laughs> so that does it for video game news. Let's go on to our topic. Yes. Uh, we did receive a fan email. Uh, it says, about corporations and a few other things. I'm a newer fan of Game Cola. I found out about it because I saw the box art to Nancy Drew, Shadow at the Water's Edge, looked it up, found out about Michael Gray, read his blog for months, looked through its archives, saw the site mentioned in an older post, came to this site, and stayed. I've developed a few questions. I was watching your 60-second podcast, which made me think about something when you said, corporations are considered people in the U.S., does this mean the two companies merging into a new company is like the fusion dance in DBZ? Would Kay Faraday work better as a character if she was Nick's sidekick and not Edgeworth's? And which Ace Attorney character deserves his, her, its own spinoff? Miles Edgeworth, Phoenix Wright, and Apologistus are not answers. Thank you for your time. Put in love out. Well, thank you very much for watching my Nancy Drew videos and reading my blog. <laughs> Yes, and then eventually coming over to Game Cola. Could you just go back to my blog, though? You know, just 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 forget Game Cola. Go back to my blog. <laughs> Click on some ads while you're there. I actually removed all ads from my blog, believe it or not. But right. if you're on Game Cola, click on the ads, right? Do we get yes. money for that? I think we do. I think there's like uh, $20 in the Game Cola uh, ad fund right now. I haven't checked in a while, actually. Guys, we're rich. I know. Aw, oh, man. When are we going to get a Big Mac and fries for everybody on the staff? <laughs> how much would that even cost? I don't even know. How much is, How much does a Big Mac go for anymore? I don't know. All I know is that they've got brand new... Um, they're trying to sell wings at McDonald's. That's their new big thing. Oh, yeah, I saw that. So how many staff members do we have? Ooh, that's a lot. I don't think we can get everybody a Big Mac and fries. We might have to share. Yeah, I was thinking that like it would be probably over $100, sadly. 7, 8, 9, 10. Well, uh, we can cut out some of these guys, right? Like, Oh, wait, they're all writers. Jeez. <laughs> mm. well, whoever hasn't uh, posted anything once a month for the last six months uh, doesn't deserve a burger. That reminds me, I'm not... I'm probably not going to write an Inside the Guide this month. Oh, what a shame. I, you know, I started writing one. It's about how I got bored with writing and I'm not writing anything. <laughs> and then you it, got bored of that? <laughs> seriously, it's called Inside the Guide Burnout. And I, I talk about my um, the fact that I'm not writing any game walkthroughs this month. Or game walkthrough columns. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, speaking of McDonald's, if they were to merge with Burger King, would it be like the fusion dance in Dragon Ball Z? I think not, because the fusion dance is only temporary. <laughs> However, it is like the fusion dance in that, if you recall that one filler episode where they do the fusion dance incorrectly, 
And the first time they do it, they end up being this really old, skinny man. And then the second time they do it incorrectly, it turns them into this big, fat man. <laughs> yes. So when, when companies merge, it can happen like that. It can be done incorrectly. And what you just have is this horrible mesh, horrible thing where the merger or the fusion dance did not go well. So that's how the two are similar. <laughs> But my question would be, what would you do, and this can be for all, Joseph Martin is our DBZ fan, right? He could actually maybe answer this. Is he? Can people who are fused fuse with each other? <laughs> Have a double fusion? Yeah, because it, companies do that with mergers. Like AOL Time Warner is like Time Magazine merged with Warner Brothers, merged with AOL. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Time Magazine really got the better end of that deal. Jeez. Why on earth would Warner Brothers want to go together with Time Magazine? Isn't that like the once-a-week magazine in New York? I don't know. Or uh, I mean, I could understand AOL because it was the 90s when that happened, and they were really big then. But I thought it was now, like after AOL was like heading down, though. So you're saying AOL was heading down, and then they decided, geez, we'd better merge with somebody, otherwise we're just going to crash. Pretty much. <laughs> oh, okay. And so they just decided, you know what, movie-making company, yeah. we want part of that sweet Animaniacs action. <laughs> yes. Who doesn't? <laughs> so, Anna, what if what if the merger is the reason why Animaniacs was canceled? Didn't it take place around the same time? When was... Um, the last episode, I believe, was in 1998. No, this happened in, like, 2001 or something, I think. Yeah. Okay, never mind. <laughs> so what about uh, Kay Faraday? I can't really answer that, so... <laughs> so wait a minute. In 2000, AOL purchased Time Warner for $164 billion. Wow. Maybe AOL's doing better than I thought. <laughs> it was the other way around. AOL bought Time Warner. Not... Wow, ouch. That was before... Um... The big uh, internet crashed in the early 2000s, right? It must have been. Well, it definitely was. You know, we can go back and point to, say, September 11, 2001 as being the source of it, but that's not true. Things were sort of on the downfall going up to that. But after it, everything just went all to badness. The internet. The 2001 AOL merger was the biggest mistake in corporate history. Good. Says Time Warner Chief. Ouch. Well, maybe he's just upset because they didn't give him as much as he wanted. Hmm. I don't know. So, yeah, I want to know if characters who are fused can fuse together. I don't know. Actually, you know, this reminds me of a joke I used in my Dragon Ball Z fanfic, which is still getting way too many views. <laughs> but Dragon Ball Z doesn't explain how they come up with names for the fused characters. So, for example, Go, Goten and Trunks fuse together and they form Gotanks. Okay. Which sort of sounds like their names put together, except what? <laughs> and Vegeta and Goku become Vegito or Gogeta, depending on how they do it. Okay. I guess if one person stands on the left, it's a different fusion. So in my story, I have a Gohan and um, Goku fused together, and they become Gohan. Because <laughs> they put the Go from Goku and the Han from Gohan together to form Gohan. <laughs> yes. Yep. That's how it works. 
Well, uh, what was it? Oh, neither of you probably played uh, Breath of Fire, did you? No. No. Okay, there was a character in there that could fuse with other characters, most of which turned out to be kind of useless, but I don't know. It's 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 still an interesting concept. I kind of wish the series had actually bothered to explain it somewhat. <laughs> so who is Kay Faraday? Okay, hold on a second. Hmm? Oh, okay, never mind. So there were 4,500 people who read that Dragon Ball Z fanfic in August. Just and in August? Like, just in August, and this is a three-year-old fanfic at this point. <laughs> wow. Why do people still care about Dragon Ball Z? It remains to this day my most popular fanfic, the second most popular fan. Wow. Well, they're still making Dragon Ball Z. Come on, oh, Jenny. Yeah. Jeez. I guess that's true. When are they when are they airing the new episodes? That's my question. Which are just the old episodes with new paint on them. <laughs> um Kay Faraday is the uh, sidekick in um the Miles Edgeworth game. He's this the spin off series of Phoenix Wright. Oh yeah. They decided he needed his new uh sidekick because Gumshoe isn't good enough to be a sidekick. <laughs> Which is sad because Gumshoe is a good sidekick. Well, would Kay Faraday work better? Not as Edgeworth's sidekick. Yeah, would she work better as Phoenix's sidekick? Too bad uh, Diana's not here to answer. Anna, what do you think? I don't think so. She already has a sidekick. It's Maya. Do you think Maya's actually a good sidekick for him? Because I don't get the sense that she actually does any work (laughs) at the Wright & Co. law offices. (laughs) I don't care. She mostly calls him up at 3 a.m. in the morning to say, hey, we're taking this case because I like the the character this actor plays on TV. <laughs> <laughs> well, doesn't everyone ship Maya and Phoenix? I, I know Paul does, so everybody... So apparently it's Game Cola rule that it must happen, but... <laughs> But, um, you know, I don't think Kay Faraday makes a good sidekick for anybody. I'm going to put it out there. I thought someone complained about her in general, like, not really, people didn't like her character or something. Yeah, she's basically a Mary Sue. She's basically a a self-insert, I guess, by a fangirl is what people are saying. I don't know, like, I've never played, so I can't really say. Well, all the characters magically fall in love with her and talk about how great she is. (laughs) Sounds about right. (laughs) I don't know. Um, was that the last topic, or oh, was uh, that the last question? There was one more. Uh, which Ace Attorney character deserves his, her, or its own spinoff, other than Edgeworth, Phoenix Wright, or Apollo? I was going to say Larry Butts, Dating Simulator. <laughs> <laughs> that is what this world needs. <laughs> Detective Gumshoe, Ace Detective. <laughs> He's apparently a good detective when he's actually doing his work. He's just bad at being a bad detective. I don't know. <laughs> Jetty, do you get the sense that he's a competent detective? Uh, I've only seen, like, two cases out of the first game, so I can't really say. The first game just sort of goes back and forth between whether or not he's a good detective or not. So, like, he slips up and gives Phoenix the cell phone that belongs to Maya for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. And he tells Phoenix about the witness for no reason whatsoever. And then in the next case, he takes on five mafia guys by himself and wins. Yeah. 
they all have guns, he's unarmed. So I'm like, what? Interesting. But if that's it, we can go on to the next topic. And I have, um, sorry, I had a brilliant transition there, but I'm trying to remember what it is. But getting back to Kay Faraday, which we mentioned earlier, this is a good transition to our next topic, or I should say maybe the topic of the podcast, which is actually developing video games. Yes. Uh, at, I don't know. At, le- oh, at least, go ahead, Jetty. I was going to say, at least two of the uh, podcast people here have been working on a video game as of late. Okay, no, I was actually going to talk about Kay Faraday for a bit. Oh. Um, this is somewhat recent news. They're they're finally releasing the fan translation of the second Phoenix, I mean, Miles Edgeworth game. Oh yeah, that's right. So they recently released cases one and two, and I was brought on to be a localizer for case four. And that's the case where Kay Faraday gets amnesia. Okay. And she becomes uh, infinitely more interesting, actually, in, in my opinion. <laughs> so that was a, a fun thing, but it's kind of difficult because the way she acts, she acts more Japanese, I guess, in a sense, when she has amnesia. Mm. So she falls back and she starts using all these formal terms and things like that, which is out of character for her. Yeah, but it doesn't quite make as much sense in English. There were, like, at least five things in that particular section which made no sense in English. So, for example, she makes a pun about passerby, which makes no sense, so I changed it to a Wizard of Oz reference. <laughs> okay. Um, now I'm forgetting. I'd have to actually look up the actual stuff, which I can do if you give me a minute. Okay. There's also um, an extended joke about the darkness of love. Okay. Is that a thing in Japanese, or is that just some random thing the character was making up? Hmm. I don't know. Uh, I'd kind of have to see it, but it doesn't sound like anything that comes to mind immediately. Hold on. Uh, Nathaniel just got on. Do we want to add Nathaniel? Sure. Sure. Hello. Here comes Nathaniel. Hooray. Yay! Podcast favorite Nathaniel. I'm a podcast favorite now? That's exciting. I need to be on the podcast to be a favorite. <laughs> it's been a while. But uh, right now we were talking about Michael Gray's adventures. I've, in... I've also been bugging her an awful lot about um, what I'm doing recently, which is I'm localizing the second Miles Edgeworth game. Yeah, we were just discussing. And so I would just bug Diana about every single thing that I'm translated. So like, <laughs> I'm, I'm throwing in my little pony joke here, Diana. And she's all, Michael, you'd better not. I'm like, ooh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> and uh, Diana likes Ema Sky, one of the characters, right? And she happens to show up in the section that I localized. Mm. So when you so, say localizing, is this a professional endeavor, or are you just doing it for the heck of it because nobody else is? It's basically, it's a fan translation. Okay. But for some reason, I just was assigned this random section in the middle of case number four. So let's see. I threw a Phoenix Wright reference into the game, which is actually not in there. <laughs> I feel like Phoenix Wright should be mentioned at least once in the spinoff game. I feel bad for him for just being completely ignored. So wait, you're taking creative license and not actually localizing it. You're just throwing in whatever you feel like should kind of maybe fit. Um, Isn't that the localizer's job? <laughs> no, the localizer's job is to take whatever the original text was and 
translate it into something that not only is a uh, a into a language that the target audience is going to be able to read, listen to, comprehend, uh, but b retain the spirit of the original text while changing, swapping out any particular idioms or any kind of humor or anything that just isn't going to hit with the target audience. Okay, so with this particular section of the game, um, it's it's exactly what you said, Nathaniel. They're basically using Japanese terms to refer to Edgeworth and this various thing. So Edgeworth's title as Prosecutor Edgeworth has been turned into Defense Attorney Edgeworth. And it sort of sounds awkward in English because people don't really go up to Edgeworth and say, Hello, Prosecutor Edgeworth! As opposed to, I suppose, in Japanese, they would call him Edgeworth-san. I don't speak Japanese. Uh, wait, how are you localizing this if you don't speak Japanese? I have two... Um, two people have translated it, so I have a literal translation. Uh, I have two literal translations on this. Yeah, someone so, like, else... The literal... Yeah. yeah, someone else translated the line. But it's his job to do the localization and make it make more sense in English, I guess. I see. That's actually somewhat relevant to what I've been doing recently. Not not that I've been uh, making up my own text for things <laughs> that should be left alone, <laughs> but I've been playing Earthbound Zero, also known as Mother, yeah. uh, the prequel or the original game yeah. uh, preceding Mother 2, which we all know and love as Earthbound for the Super Nintendo, the quirky RPG that we just can't get enough of. And I was reading an article recently on, I think it was Kotaku, about the person who localized Earthbound and was talking about, uh, as long as I'm recalling this correctly in my memory hazy fog, uh, that it was basically a two-person job. It was the person who was translating from the Japanese, and it was the guy who basically single-handedly, in a very short turnaround time, localized the entire thing, getting input about, well, what's really the gist of this one line that uh, this person is saying? And so getting some feedback about what direction to go and just injecting as much humor and reasonable flow of text as possible. And I think it turned out brilliantly. <laughs> and then I'm playing Earthbound Zero, which if I, I only just sort of skimmed some of the, the text about this, but I believe what I'm playing is the English version that was produced by a mystery company. We don't know who it is. Uh, or at least that was in process by a mystery company that they considered bringing over to the U.S., but never ended up doing. So I think the version that I'm playing is a professionally done localization that was either in progress or scrapped just before release, something along those lines. Mm. And it's not even the same game. <laughs> Judging strictly from the text, I mean, there's so many similarities between Mother 1 and 2, but if you're just going by the text of this particular translation localization that I'm looking at, you would almost have no idea that this has anything to do with the fun-loving humor of Earthbound. Interesting. There's a couple of spots that I laughed out loud at, and there's a couple of spots where it's like, oh, that's silly and goofy and quirky. And the rest of it just doesn't feel quite there. Like, if there was any humor, it wasn't very funny to begin with. Hmm. So it's, it's, very, it's disappointing on a lot of levels, actually, but the text is where I think it's really standing out. Interesting. That's a problem I ran into with my section. It's like, well, there are jokes, but these jokes are not very 
good, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Well, I think that's part of uh, – not that I know anything about localization, but if it were me in the localizers, keyboard, shoes, what, typing with your feet, I guess, uh, whatever it is that localizers do, if it were me in their position, I would, if I were good at my job, try and say, okay, this joke is not actually very funny, so I'm going to localize this with a joke that also isn't all that funny to really retain the spirit of it. Hmm. Yeah, well – Particularly in this section with Imaskaya, the original introductory joke they have is um, she's saying she's there as a translator for like one of her German teachers or whatever. And Edgeworth's like, okay, where is your teacher? And he's like, oh, he can do fine. Body language is a language. That was the joke. <laughs> I think with a better setup, I could almost crack a smile at that. I can read the exact um, way I did this. Uh, I thought you left for Europe a few days ago. Don't tell me you're back already. Yeah, and I brought my teacher from abroad, too. He needed an interpreter, so I volunteered to help him. If your teacher cannot speak English, why aren't you with him right now? He can still communicate with people. Don't underestimate the importance of body language. And then Edgeworth goes, that doesn't really count as a language. Cue humongous laughter. <laughs> So the best I could do was change it so Ema is quoting the song Poor Unfortunate Souls from The Little Mermaid. I'm nodding my head here in appreciation. Can't you hear the rattling? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can hear that, yeah. Oh, I heard an oop out of Anna. She's still here. Hi, uh, yeah. I don't have much to talk about. Well, what could we do to change that, Anna? Good question. Good. <laughs> I'm sorry, was that a good question? I don't know either, or was that ask me a good question? <laughs> because nothing good question, works. I don't know either. <laughs> well, we, we have a great question, um, uh, Nathaniel. You weren't here for that. Um, when two companies go through a merger, when is that like... of each other very much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Not that kind of merger. No. Going, going forward, moving on. Ahead, the question Michael. was if it's like uh, Dragon Ball Z when two characters fuse together and become a new person. The fusion dance. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I was waiting for the punchline to the question. No, that was the actual question sent in by one of our reader, viewer, people. Okay, so wait. Run that by me again because I, I, I don't think there was a, a, a conclusion <laughs> in that sentence. Jetty, read it. Oh. Keyword somewhere. Uh, let, me, let me open the email back up. Uh... I was watching your 60-second podcast, which made me think about something when you said corporations are considered people in the U.S. Does this 60-second m- podcast? They're at least an hour each. Oh, 60-second. <laughs> hey, Nathaniel, could I borrow that and put that into the Miles Edgeworth game? That would be so much better than the body language joke. Please do. <laughs> Actually, I'm not sure if that would work in a visual novel like, uh, but yeah, 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 it could work. Let's go with that. Anyway, does this mean that two companies merging into a new company is like the fusion dance in Dragon Ball Z? Well, see, I'm not the person to ask because I haven't watched Dragon Ball Z. See, that's what we said, too. <laughs> so, where's Joe when we need him? Even not Mateo. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mateo knows about Dragon Ball Z. I don't, he's never been on the podcast, actually. I think he wanted to be on the 50th or the 50th anniversary, 10th anniversary. It was the 50th podcast. 
10th anniversary. We were doing some time travel and went into the future for a 50th anniversary. And, you know. <laughs> Came back with some people for the podcast. But, uh, yeah, sadly, he's never been on. But anyway... So, we, hmm? I was going to say, so, dear listener, we have no idea how to answer your question, so we'll say yes! Sure. I think we said it was different because companies can merge... Merged companies can merge with other companies while fused people apparently can't fuse... I don't know. We don't really know. That was a bad part of the Dragon Ball series, anyway. But then uh, we moved on because at the current moment, or well, recently, uh, Michael Gray and I were both developing video games, and we were then discussing that. Did they have ninjas yeah. in them? Mine does. Awesome. Yes. <sighs> Mine has no ninjas whatsoever. Well, maybe it does have ninjas and you can't see them. That's true. No, I, I've been writing a, a Sherlock Holmes game. It's a, it's going to be a text-based game, and I should talk about it in the past tense because it got canceled about an hour after I submitted the demo. How does that even happen? Apparently there are huge legal issues going on with Sherlock Holmes right now. So, you know, if I had tried, like, two years ago, it would have been fine. Weird and legal, but right now people are trying to get it taken out of the public domain so presumably they can make huge, huge um, benefits off of the TV show slash movies. Yeah, as if they aren't like already like making enough money off of this. Not yeah, at all. Because, because you, no, that's not enough. And obviously my game will be like such a huge source of income compared yeah. to like the TV shows and the movies that I'm the guy they need to shut down. Yeah, clearly. So yeah, that was fun though, <laughs> learning a new programming language and writing a new thing. I'm going to try to move on. I have like two options at this point. I can try like a completely new project or I could just turn it into a story about Herlock Sholmes, the <laughs> incompetent detective. And that would be totally legal. That's true. You could just, like, control F and change everyone's names. Could he say something like, Grad school, my dear Watson. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, the original idea was that because the, they're, they were stories to begin with, the Sherlock Holmes thing. So I would quote liberally from the stories. Oh. You should have localized it. They never would have caught you. Well, see, I know you can just you can just change it so that this guy is just a big fan of the Sherlock Holmes books, and that's why he quotes things from Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> Problem solved. Right. <laughs> oh dear, Michael. I know you'll appreciate this. I've also been working on a side project that's not my usual side project fair. I got back into FAQ writing, or FAQ oh. writing, if you prefer. Back in, I believe it was 2008, I had some spare time, and was that's really when I was starting to get into internet writing, and started a uh, an FAQ for Jetpack, which is a wonderful little simple PC game. You're a dude with a jetpack, you're running around collecting gems, trying to dodge robots and bats and things like that. And it's just really good platforming. So I started to write a walkthrough for that years ago. And it's on Game FAQs, or Game Facts, if you prefer. And <laughs> it's like half complete, and has been half complete. And I update it about once a year. I just get this sudden bug to work on it. I do ten levels, and then I submit an update. <laughs> and then somebody emails me and says, can you write the rest of the walkthrough? I'm like, 
I can, and I will, but I'm sorry, it's just not going to happen soon. But here's a wonderful website where somebody already did the walkthrough that I didn't realize until halfway through. So you can use theirs. So I've been uh, working on that gradually. And then the review, maybe someone remembers this, uh, the very first review copy that I ever got was for Hamlet for the PC casual adventure game. Um, and when I wrote the review for that for Game Cola, I thought it might be nice to write a walkthrough for it too because nobody had written anything about it. And that, I think, was 2009. So <laughs> I uh, just finally finalized it and submitted it a couple days ago, last week. And Game FAQs, or Facts if you prefer, has uh, accepted it and posted it, which is kind of a surprise because the way I was writing the walkthrough was, here, click on this, try this. Oh, that didn't work, did it? Well, you should try this instead. Oh, that didn't work at all. Well, try this. Oh, that doesn't look good. That's very, very bad. Maybe you should click on this instead. Oh, that did something good. <laughs> but the intent was to get everybody who uses the walkthrough to experience everything that there is to experience in the game so that you're not just overlooking stuff. Because as much as I do appreciate the direct walkthroughs that say, do this, do this, do this, boom, you're done. For an adventure game, it really takes the fun out of it. So being able to see some of the things that you might have come across if you weren't relying so heavily on the walkthrough, some of the fun stuff uh, that would have otherwise gone missed, I think that's important to, to keep in there somewhere. So that that was my side project. Now I've got the uh, FAQ or FAQ bug, and I just started one for the Mega Man PC game, which I also read. <laughs> and I've wanted to write a Mega Man walkthrough forever, so I finally found one that wasn't completely saturated with whatever it is that the thing is that I'm writing walkthroughs. Mega Man PC game. Yeah, yeah, that was nice. Your story reminds me of my walkthrough for um, Krusty's Funhouse for the NES, where... Um, that game has six worlds, and I only went through world number one because I had no idea that worlds two through five existed. <laughs> Somebody informed me about this like three years after my guide was posted and everything. They're like, um, there's a lot more to the game. And so I had to go back and finish playing the game. <laughs> Well, I have, I have to start doing that now, not with writing walkthroughs, but using them. There are so many games that I'm playing nowadays that have an ending, and you think you've beaten the game, and there have been some secrets, some more obvious than others, and I've collected everything that I think exists, and I say, okay, I'm done. I have my backloggery. I can mark this off as completed, not just beaten. Hooray. And then I start reading up on the game or listening to the music or something like that, and then I start noticing things that I've never heard of before. And then I look at the FAQ and I'm like, oh yeah, there's this secret dungeon, like if you went back and did this other thing, there's this whole second, you know, five hours of gameplay mm -hmm. that you've completely missed because you didn't read the walkthrough. <laughs> so I've needed to start consulting a walkthrough after beating a game just to make sure I've actually beaten it. You know, it's sort of like the, the whole zombie thing. Is it really dead? Hack it again with the axe just to be sure. So, Michael, I know you write a bunch of walkthroughs, but do you and anybody else here, uh, are you a heavy walkthrough user for games that you are struggling with or have never played before? Anna, go. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've been trying to get through the Animaniacs game that I still need to get through um, to, because you have to find a bunch of like script pages, and I don't feel like going back and redoing stages to find them, so I've been looking it up. See if I can find those 
and just get it over with. And I still haven't had that much time to play the game, so... Well, that's sort of where... Okay. Yeah, that's sort of where I am with Earthbound Zero as well, because the... Every area, the overworld map especially, but even the the dungeons, quote-unquote, not that there are really dungeons, like the haunted house and things like that, um, are at least three times as large as they need to be. So in Earthbound, you had a reasonable size overworld, and you found presence every once in a while if you started exploring way the heck out there where you really had no business being. You know, there would be rewards for exploring. But here, it's just huge waste of space, randomly place trees and you can dead end yourself where it looks like oh yeah of course this is a path i should be going to oh no there's a dead end and now i'm lost and it's just excessive waste of space all over everywhere so i've resorted to just looking at a map the moment i start getting tired of walking around in circles i normally try and push myself to not use a walkthrough and be a true gamer and get through on my own but uh uh, more and more I've been finding, if I'm not giving the game at least, like, three stars out of five in my mind at the time I'm playing it, like, I'm just not going to bother um, trying to do anything the honest way if it's holding me up for more than, like, ten minutes, fifteen minutes. Yeah, I generally only use walkthroughs if I'm, like, really stuck, or in the case of, like, older NES games where, like, they don't tell you what equipment does or they don't tell you, like... <laughs> where things that are required to go through the game are, I will look up, like, you know, trying to figure out anything about the original Final Fantasy, like, what any of these equipments do. Well, with the original Final Fantasy, you could buy a weapon, if I'm remembering this correctly, and then equip it, look at your stats, and see how far they went up or if they actually went down. Unequip it, switch to the other thing, equip it. So... I, before the advent of walkthroughs, I was buying a lot of equipment that may or may not have been of any use to me whatsoever, and then equipping it, and then looking and saying, oh, well, this was a waste of my money, because it's actually worse than what I already have. Mm. So you could at least trial and error it. But uh, yeah, I no, guess you it... could, like, reset. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, you'd have to you reset and save before then. I didn't, and so I ended up having to sell the bad equipment back to the person at, like, a fraction of the price. <laughs> and it's like, oh. I don't like this game anymore. Actually, uh, my brother got from a friend of his way back in the day before, like, people cared about stuff. Uh, I think it was like... I'm, I'm sorry, what kind of broad generalization is that? Like, people cared about stuff? Like, what, what kind of stuff? Like, anything? Have we all gone into just this state of not caring about anything? Uh, <laughs> hold on. Uh, it was a really, really early Nintendo Power issue was nothing but uh, the original Final Fantasy. And <laughs> my brother just got it for free from a friend of his. And, like, I can kind of imagine it's probably worth something now. Mm. Uh, it's not exactly in the best quality, though. But to just be given one of the first few issues of Nintendo Power for the fun of it. <laughs> uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 16, 17... Yeah, I guess it wasn't that incredibly early, but it was still, like, in the first 20 video games. Hmm. <laughs> uh, Nathaniel, you weren't on earlier when I said that I've taken a break from writing video game walkthroughs, at least for this month. And I was going to write an Inside the Guide about it, but I was so inspired by the fact that I'm not writing <laughs> that I didn't finish writing the article. I like how you say, I, I'm taking a break from it 
this month and any of my writing projects, like if I don't do something in a month, that's par for the course. It's like I'm taking a break from it this year because I haven't worked on it in eight months instead of seven. <laughs> well, I've got the stats here. I wrote nine different walkthroughs for the month of August. I wish I could do that. <laughs> You don't. That's that's part of the reason why I'm taking a break. It's like I was writing walkthroughs just for the just for the sake of writing walkthroughs, and I didn't enjoy writing any of them at all. Oh, I'm sorry. And it just became just deadly boring. And these games are all really bad too. <laughs> like Mummy Escape was a flash game by Board.com. Okay. Well, you're doing a great service to the world and the gaming community at large. <laughs> I suppose. Because those two people who play Mummy Escape, you know that at least 50% of them are going to get stuck somewhere. Yeah. Did I mention the game can be beaten within two minutes? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I mentioned It's a very short Flash game, Mummy Escape. You could download it for your iPhone right now. Is that an official Game Cola endorsement, or is that just Mike speaking of, of things that are? That's Michael speaking of things that are. It's not an official endorsement. Don't play the game. It's horrible. It's it, it's not even worth the two minutes. So is that an official game called a condemnation now? <laughs> <laughs> what is it that they say at the beginning of every uh, NPR interview that the uh, opinions contained within this episode are not necessarily the opinions of Game Cola staff or its subsidiaries? <laughs> yeah, I always like the ones that worded it almost like that like i i think the um the family guy dvds um say at the beginning you know this disc contains commentary that may not be appropriate for persons 18 years of age and under the views expressed in the commentary do not reflect the views of fox media corporation <laughs> it's not do not necessarily yeah. it's like don't assume that they do. It's yeah, they don't. We we expressly disavow any relationship with the opinions expressed in this DVD. <laughs> I bought a uh, collection of 270 uh, cartoons. They're like older cartoons. Five dollars, yay! Oh, wow. Um, it's like it's like on several discs, I guess. Okay, but on it says like just remember these are old cartoons from the 30s. They're going to be raped. Basically, that's that's what it says. I'm just like, oh, God. <laughs> I still have yet to watch them. You don't like watching racist cartoons? <laughs> eh. That's the way things were. So I, I don't really have a huge problem, but I just haven't gotten around to watching them. Well, I think it's different than, say, compared to something like Family Guy, where they're specifically making... A, racist joke. I don't know. I can't think of any examples. Yeah. Yeah, well, they're that's just what they thought back then versus they know it's wrong and they're doing it because it's wrong. Well, I, I don't even know if that's necessarily true. I mean, there are people who knew it was wrong at the time and did it anyhow. It was just more... I don't want to say necessarily more culturally acceptable, but there were fewer people um, who were either vocal about it or in a position to be vocal about it. Yeah. Um, fighting yeah. back. Yeah. Well, and there are the different levels, like the, the Tom and Jerry cartoons, where people say it's racist because there's a black woman who is working as the maid for the family. It's like, well... Well, there's a distinction there between racist and stereotypical. Yeah, yeah, I mean, 
that character is only on screen for like 20 seconds at most <laughs> to explain why there are no humans around while the cat and mouse are running around destroying the house. Because the cat and mouse destroyed all the humans. <laughs> <laughs> Except for the maid because she feeds them. So. Yes. Don't destroy the hand that feeds you. <laughs> yep. Isn't she like one of the characters who is always off screen too? He like one of those cartoon characters where you only see their feet? Uh, like in uh, Muppet Babies. Yeah, the nanny in Muppet Babies. Is there anybody like that in Animaniacs, Anna? Um, nice, tying it back to video games. Almost. Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> um, I don't think so. And I would ah. know because I've seen every episode. Have you Have you beaten the Animaniacs video game yet? No, I haven't. Because, yeah. like, I had the password. I, I took a picture every time I got past a stage, and then I kind of deleted one of them, and I'm... Oh thinking it might have been my ro- most recent one, and I'm <laughs> I'm really bad at this game. <laughs> so I'm just sitting here going, why? <laughs> Something that I've found has been very helpful. If you can't, I mean, I, in that situation, I would look for a password generator online or, you know, look at cheat codes if there's something listed. But if you can't find anything like that, I've had a lot of success looking up YouTube videos, let's play YouTube videos of whatever game I'm looking for, and it's been a, a great place to grab a screenshot or to look for a password or to double-check on some aspect of the game that isn't covered in a walkthrough anywhere. So it's it's been really interesting sort of using YouTube as an alternate search, which requires a, a little bit more effort because you need to watch part of the video or listen to part of the video to get the information you're looking for. But it, it's been surprisingly helpful. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, you could easily find out something like, oh, it's possible to have another heart in your health meter at this point in the game. So you realize you missed out on the heart upgrade or something like that, which isn't always the case mentioned in the walkthrough. And then you steal their password and end up with the extra heart meter. Oh, is that what you do? Oh, okay, never mind. (laughs) The the thing I love about the Animaniacs game, no matter how how bad I am at it, it pities me (laughs) so much. (laughs) Because it has the it has this roulette thing, so every time like you pick up a gold coin or something, it does a little roulette thing, and it'll give you hearts um, on whatever it lands on, and then sometimes it'll land on something bad, and it just does nothing happens. There was a time when I got up to about 20, 20 extra lives, and I just sat there going, "This game feels so bad for me." <laughs> I think I saw you tweet about that. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I think that happened with me in my video walkthrough for Mega Man 2 for the Game Boy, where I just got a billion extra lives using the Leaf Shield. Yep, that's a good way to do it. Is that the game which has the Leaf Shield? It's one of the games that has the Leaf Shield. Yeah, one of the two, right? Well, what about Super Smash Bros.? Will Mega Man have the Leaf Shield in that? I seem to recall that was in the weapon lineup. So, Nathaniel, please... Take this tangent that I'm offering you and talk more about <laughs> Mega Man and Super Smash Brothers. Well, I don't know if that exactly qualifies as gaming outside the mainstream, so I, I won't be completely on the... Well, you offered me a tangent. I was trying to work bandwagon in there somewhere, but bandwagon tangent just sounds like some forgotten you know, 70s music group or something. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm excited because... 
well, actually all of the reasons that I stated. There was a Q&A column where we talked about the things that we were excited about from E3, and so I, I said my piece about Mega Man and the new Super Smash Brothers. But I'm excited, and I think there's a, a pretty decent representation of the different games, uh, at least as far as special weapons from these different games being included, and looks like he should be fun to play as. So, uh, sort of encouragement for me to get a Wii U. Normally, it's either a Metroid or a Mega Man game that convinces me to get the next Nintendo console, um, unless somebody happens to gift it to me before I ask for it. So, that's basically how I've gotten most Nintendo consoles, as I said, ooh, that's a Mega Man game I really want to play, or ooh, that's a Metroid game I really want to play. And one of the two of those has been the driving factor between getting a new system. So uh, between Mega Man showing up in Super Smash Brothers, uh, having played The Cave with uh, Mike and Vanjie, Ridgeway, um, as you may know, Game Cola-type people, um, I thought that was a cool little uh, platformer adventure game. And there was one, and the, you know, New Super Mario Brothers Wii, the Luigi expansion for that as well. And there was some other game that I can't remember what it was. But I now have ample reason to, at some point, go get a Wii U, and Mega Man's part of that, as usual. Mega Man. So I don't know where I went with your tangent, Michael, but we're here now. Yay. The only thing I have to say about Mega Man is that recently I've been looking up a bunch of pictures of original Mega Man box art cosplay. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it just... I never really realized that his helmet is kind of sideways until people were purposely making helmets (laughs) that are kind of sideways. (laughs) And just when they do the pose with the legs out, it's just uh, original Mega Man box art. I always liked some of the European box art. Like, the original Mega Man's European box art is really yeah. cool. It's got that 80s sci-fi look to it, and it's it's sort of a shame that they, they didn't continue that. Well, I guess they sort of did. You look at the uh, fake box art that they did for Mega Man 10. They didn't actually sell it in a box, yeah. but they had box art for it. And it, and it kind of has that uh, 80s sci-fi European look to it. <laughs> yeah. They did a good job. Video games. They're great. Yeah. Well, uh, going back to our topic that we were discussing a while ago, uh, I have also been in the uh, video game development industry recently. My game has... taken a stroll through there. Yeah. Well, uh, I created a game, and it's been done for about a month now, and I'm just waiting for people to peer-review it and get it on Xbox Live. <laughs> Well, hopefully it won't get canceled within an hour. Well, actually... <laughs> if it lasts longer than an hour on the development cycle, I think you're good, Jetty. Well, not so much, because uh, when I first submitted it, uh, it took, like, three days before uh, I got my first peer review on Xbox Live, and it was rejected. <laughs> Aww. Uh, apparently, under certain situations, there was an error, and I went back and I fixed it, and then came to find out that you're not allowed to resubmit for a week after it gets rejected. So then I'm like 10 days late already, uh, and I'm back at the beginning again. So I'm currently resubmitted it on the 16th, so yeah, it's been another week, and I'm still waiting for it to be pushed through. So, Yeah, it took me me about three days to figure out how to submit my um, thing. Uh, Jetty, I think I told you this, that... um, 
you know, I, I got the game out to my uh, testers, yeah. Chris and Diana, and they weren't able to play it at all, no matter what I did. Hmm. And apparently creating a title screen worked around the problem. I have no idea how that happened, but, you know, I put in a pointless title screen, which is basically, this is a demo of the game. Yeah. Click next and chapter. And there's like a useless, yeah, and there's a useless uh, stat section. With Sherlock Holmes, he has a 99 in smartness stat. I saw that. He had 99 intelligence and 1% stupid or something. I couldn't figure out what to oppose, and it looks it looked weird with just 100% intelligence because you couldn't see what it was opposing. So that's why he's got 1% stupidity. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. The, the one thing that bugs me about this whole uh, Xbox Live Indie Games thing is that I've been going around and reviewing other people's games, and I'll be like, you know, uh, sorry, I hate to fail this game, but when I do this and that, it causes an error every time, so, like, it's a legitimate, consistent error. So I'm required to fail it, but otherwise I like the game. And I'm just looking at the forum thread where everyone else is saying stuff about the game, and it's literally just, like, five people going, pass, great game. And I'm like, I got, like, two minutes into the game and got an error. Did, did you guys play this game <laughs> well that was sort of like sticking with the subject of review copies talking about hamlet earlier when i played out there somewhere for the pc which is a neat little puzzle platformer with the teleportation gun yeah. Oh, and yeah, 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 yeah. when i tried to play that game uh i was still running windows xp and had a outdated graphics card older computer all of that and could not even launch the game <laughs> without some sort of atrocious error just completely crippling my attempt to do anything. Yeah. And so they, um, awesome people to work with, um, at Miniboss, who's a company, and they, they basically released a, like a, a patched or a, a, a less tech heavy, uh, version of the game so that I could play it. Huh? And then anybody else in my situation, by extension, would be able to play it. So it wouldn't have all of the shininess of the full version, but it would still be playable. Hmm, that was nice. That was very cool of them. Yeah, that was great. And I'm glad because I enjoyed the game. <laughs> no, uh, I don't know. It's just sort of weird, uh, doing this whole Xbox Live indie game thing because. Microsoft has sort of abandoned the whole service, like, for a long time now. Uh, if you if you click on the support link, like, to submit a support ticket, it takes you in this roundabout circle that literally says, are you developing for Windows or for, or, you know, for Xbox or for Windows Phone? And then if you click Xbox, it takes you back to the home page. And there is no getting to the support page. That's sort of like with uh, YouTube and any Google product now trying to say, no, I don't want Google Plus. And then they <laughs> take you back around to the loop saying, so you want a Google Plus, right? Yeah, like, I don't know. I, I sent them a support email, and it's been about a week. <laughs> I'm still waiting. So, I don't know. Uh, but part of me says, oh, you know, Microsoft is really dumb for doing this. And part of me is like, ah. Oh, I can kind of see why Microsoft doesn't care about this service. There's someone who's been trying to get their game published for about three years, and it is just a bug-ridden mess, and it has been for the whole three years, apparently, like judging by what it says on the forum. And 
how does this happen? <laughs> Who are you? Why are you paying $99 a year for this? Oh, Xbox Indie Games. Yeah. Have they come up with an official kill date for that yet? Uh, they said that Xbox Live in general is going to be out by 2016. Oh, that's like three years from now. Yeah, we actually have a surprising amount of time. Uh, I don't know if like Xbox Live Indie Games might go before that, but for now, things look safe. At least gives me some time to hop to PlayStation. <laughs> I don't have either of those systems, but I would bl- I would buy your game if I could. Oh, it's going to be released on PC. Oh, 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 great. I already... See, Jetty, I only made that promise because I knew I couldn't keep it. <laughs> so now you're just making things awkward for me. <laughs> yes, maybe I can get you a free review copy. You see, you can post it on your YouTube channel and all of the Nancy Drew people can play my game. Maybe. <laughs> I... I will allow you to say, "Ugh, this is the stupidest game ever." But you have no, to Paul, say it exactly Paul, like that. Ugh, Paul and everything. did not let me do that. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm giving hesitation because recently, um, all of my YouTube video projects, which have just expanded and done different things, have sort of been failures. Um, so weird. It's like I did a review of the first Nancy Drew book, which I thought would be. A big success, because it's about Nancy Drew. You think there would be a huge crossover between people who like the Nancy Drew games and people who read the Nancy Drew books. Nope. Weird. Nope. Was it the first one, or...? This is Nancy Drew Files, so this would be 1987. Uh So this would have been the first spinoff series of the Nancy Drew... um... Okay, so not the actual first one. Okay, The first one is Nancy Drew's Secret of the Old Clock. Yeah, I know. I've read it. <laughs> oh. Duh, Michael. I'm not sure I like that game. That the, I mean, book. That was a combination of, like, the first five. Um, the game was a combination of, yeah, like, four books all together. Yeah, the first, like, four or five books of the original series, I noticed. I was like, this. when I first watched it, I commented. I was like, this isn't the first one. This isn't actually Secret of the Old Clock, and someone yelled at me, and they're like, yes, it is. I was like, I was talking about the book. <laughs> but I think it actually helps the game a little bit in that sense, um, because, you know, they have two different culprits for that particular game, because they literally took different books and put them together, so that's why there are multiple culprits. And it's an, an interesting element that I don't think they really use in any of the other Nancy Drew games. Video games. We're still on topic. <laughs> yeah, we are, we are on topic. We were talking about um, games Drew having games. multiple culprits. Although Usually, I think Jetty has a timer set by his desk or wherever he's from where he's recording uh, that uh, just has him remembering to say video games every so often. Yes, every yeah. 15 minutes I have to say video games. Well, I'm trying to think of any other video games which will have a situation like that, and I'm thinking something like Final Fantasy, which is an RPG, but usually when you have, say, like multiple villains or culprits, they're all working together in an RPG, right? They're all part of the evil organization taking over the world. Well, either yeah. either that, or it's like, you think this is the bad guy, but there's actually a bigger bad guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, So yeah, it's like a chain of bad guys, but they generally aren't like separate individuals doing their own deal. 
they're just completely unrelated to each other. That was a weird part of Secret of the Old Clock. Hmm. One person is committing fraud to um, get insurance. No, wait. He's trying to get a bunch of stuff from the rich guy's will. And then the other person is impersonating somebody for some reason. She also wants part of a completely separate will. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. I guess everybody in that town just, you know, the rich people just like giving out wills. <laughs> you know, they, they will out things like candy in that town. It's just super easy to sneak in and pretend, oh, yeah, I'm going to inherit this. Man, I want to put... It was 1930. No one had money then. I want to put candy like... in my will. <laughs> you give well, me candy. All of the other characters in the game were like fictional characters, which were just jokes that nobody realizes. Like there's Sunny Book, Sunny Brook Farm with Rebecca on it, which is. They a had joke. a little Shuffle of Horrors reference that made me so yeah. happy when so I got it. I'm guessing there was literally nobody else to will the thing to, because all the other people in the town are just fictional characters. Sooner or later, that that town's going to get eaten by a plant, so I don't know how much good that will's going to do. Well, fortunately, Nancy doesn't live in that town. They they made a point of that, right? Right. So she'll be fine. Yes. <laughs> I just thought of one, well, game series that has multiple villains, I guess you could say, um, in addition to a primary villain, the Police Quest series, because it's sort of set up like you're a cop and you're driving around the city and you come across the drunk or the pregnant woman who's speeding or, you know, any number of these other who I guess aren't really villains, but they're, you know, they're a couple of more violent people that you run into that could potentially be lethal. Is the pregnant so, woman is violent? speeding because she's going to the hospital because you... she's about to give birth because I'm confused. Um, I'm... I'm a little fuzzy on that one. I, although I she seem to re- a mean pregnant woman. Okay. Well, no, I I seem to recall that you can um, get a, a death message from that one. Um, let me oh. let me look up exactly what that is because I'm I'm a little fuzzy. I only played that was uh, Police Quest three, if I'm not mistaken. I only played that one once, so I will merrily look that up. But yeah, Police Quest has a number of smaller challenges. Some of them could potentially end in death. Um, where you have sort of like mini villains for just that particular infraction um, that you're working on, and then there's one big bad guy that some of there are some threads throughout the game, and it all leads to the the big thing. So I guess to a certain extent that has the uh, multiple bad guys who are not really related gimmick going on. That's what I was going to do with my Sherlock Holmes game, <laughs> but the game is canceled. It was going to be um, you know three. Maybe something like along the line of Phoenix Wright, where I have three cases which are about 9,000 words each, and case number four is this finale case, which is about 30,000 words. And it stars the big bad of the Sherlock Holmes series, Professor Moriarty. So I, I thought that would be a fun way to finish the game with an extra long case for a finale rather than just another case. And that's actually the case I wrote the demo for. I did chapter one of the finale case <laughs> that was the demo centered around because it was the most interesting to me. Makes sense. Yeah, I'm going to start the game three-fourths of the way through. <laughs> I know, we'll start with the most exciting parts of it. People will be like, oh yeah, sure. And then write all yeah, the but, boring stuff and be like, ha ha. Yeah, but wouldn't that mean like by the time I get to like chapter one, the, the part that people are actually going to be playing first, I'll be just so 
bored at that point. I won't want to write anything. Yes. Yay. So do you need to be leaving, like, in six minutes? Yeah, like five minutes or so. Should we? Slam jammers. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, Nathaniel, since I don't know if you heard, uh, Michael Gray has bowling tonight, so he will be leaving early. Wow. Good for you. Yeah, I'm actually going outside and being social for once. Yay. How long have you been in the bowling group? This is going to be week number three. It's, it's weird joining a bowling league because you're technically supposed to have like four other people with you to sign up because they really only want you to sign up as a team and not as a single player. Yeah. So I guess it's like online multiplayer that way. Maybe. I don't know. I don't play those games. Are there bowling games? Yeah, no, there's the one that was packaged with the Wii and Wii Sports. Yeah, that was kind of like bowling. bowling. <laughs> that's bowling. That's not very fun, but after a while, I mean, it, it it's fun at first, but then when that's like the only option you have to play, other than like the other several different games that you've already played a million times, it's not as fun. I wonder how many people actually kept up with their whole like... I remember when the Wii first came out, they were like, yeah, I'm going to do Wii Sports every day, get my workout. And I wonder how many people, like, kept up with that for more than a week. I applaud them. I think they did, right, Jetty? That character is going to be in the new Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> That's true. So that character is just going to be, like, working out the whole time while everybody else is fighting, I suppose. So, yes, I'm back in the conversation. Uh, she was a pregnant woman in Police Quest 3. Uh, this is confirmed. Well, but but was she on her way to the hospital, or...? Yeah, what made her a villain? Well, I, she wasn't really a, a villain. She just got upset because the other officer with you insulted her, and then oh. w- w- wouldn't uh, wouldn't sign the, uh, whatever the thing is, that you, the citation. Refused to sign the citation. Oh. Okay. What did the other officer say? Did he, like, insult her weight or something? I, I think that was something along those lines. Well, that officer was a jerk. More than uh. just that, but you'll need to play Police Quest 3 to find out exactly what I mean. Yikes. Officer McJerk. <laughs> <laughs> the Police Quest series still going. I know that your Space Quest series. Is there any news on the new game in that one? So, it's not officially a new Space Quest game. Yeah, yeah, you're I thinking, know that. You're thinking of Space Venture, the Kickstarter project <clears throat> with the two guys from Andromeda who were responsible for the first four Space Quest games, and then one of them for five and the other one for six, uh, in part. So they, as far as I know, are still going. I haven't seen much of anything recently, but as far as I know, they're still working on it. And I do recall, I, I sat in on a live stream that they did, like a, an interview with the guy behind the Police Quest series, uh, and he was talking about how he's thinking about making a comeback as well and making another uh, Police Quest-esque game. So there's been this huge resurgence of classic adventure games, not just the series specifically, but the people behind the classic adventure games. So a lot of LucasArts and Sierra folks who are getting back into the game, and have been for the last couple of years, but it's it's an exciting time to be a vintage adventure gamer. Well, I'd love to talk more about that, but I have to go, so see you guys. Bye, Michael. Have fun. Bye. 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 Yay. But uh, actually, because you were just talking about the Kickstarter of an old game, right? 
Something like that. Hey, uh, sorry, I I had a phone call and I missed most of what was said. But uh, we can talk more about. There's also Mighty Number no. Nine, which is another game Kickstarter reviving an old series. Well, so it's... it it's not really. <laughs> and I talked about that with Joseph Martin, yes, which was published today. Yes, our recent versus mode. So by the time you hear this, it'll be old news. Yes, uh, but there's also. River City Ransom Underground, if you saw that post. Saw that as well. Yes, uh, which I am excited about. It's currently, uh, it got really quickly to halfway, and now things have kind of slowed down a bit, and I'm worried that it's not going to make it. But it was, I mean, River City Ransom was one of my favorite games uh, back in the day. And to see the 20-something years later, it's finally getting an official uh, sequel. Like, it's not even just like, a fan sequel. It's literally an officially licensed sequel. So I'm excited. Ooh, came up with another example of a game that has a bunch of unrelated villains. Star Trek Voyager Elite Force. First-person shooter PC game. And there's a bunch of different... You're trapped in this alien spaceship graveyard and trying to make your way out. And you're visiting all of the different spaceships that are trapped there. And you run into a bunch of different enemies who are all over the place there. Mm. And there is one final boss, but you really don't have much of anything to do with him aside from he's ultimately the reason why you were brought to the spaceship graveyard in the first place, and he and his minions are the ones that you fight at the end of the game. Everything in between is whatever other races and creatures were there trapped with you. Interesting. And that works really well, too. Yeah. But that, that's also got sort of more of a, an episodic feel like Star Trek often has to it. Actually, oh, no, I don't think that one's gone out yet. Uh, sorry, hold on. I recently scheduled Star Trek Starfleet Academy Starship Bridge Simulator. <laughs> Did you see that review? Or? I I um I was excited to see a few more Star Trek reviews in the queue because that's my favorite fandom that's not a video game fandom. Mm. And... I'm I'm very pleased to see somebody else is is tackling those. Also because Star Trek games, Star Wars games usually pretty good. Star Trek games usually pretty bad. Yeah. So it's it's good to hear about some of the ones that nobody ever talks about. Well, this one seems pretty bad judging by well, he rated it a 1, so Yeah, there's a lot of uh <laughs> Negative reviews flying around on Game Color nowadays. I I just read the uh, Family Dog <laughs> review that came out. So there's uh, we're finally delving into the things that we really don't want to talk about, but something's uh, got to. Well, when you're when you're reviewing outside the mainstream, uh, it tends to be games that other people don't want to talk about, which tends to also be a lot of bad games. So. Well, it's not just that people don't want to talk about it. It's just that people are not aware of. There are plenty of sleeper hits. There are plenty of really good games that did not get the publicity or that were too much of a niche for the mainstream to embrace. No, it's definitely true. And uh, currently, Mark Friedman is cruising through a bunch of Star Trek games. So. And I am so pleased. Yes, I just really like the name Star Trek Starfleet Academy Starship Bridge Simulator. Like, yeah, three of the- <laughs> Throw that t-, t times fast. Blah. <laughs> like, I can't even say it. Oh, well. But uh, I like that on the cartridge, it shows a picture of Captain Kirk, and he's like, well, Kirk isn't really in this game. <laughs> so, 
And basically, it doesn't really have anything to do with Star Trek other than the theme. So, I don't know. Video games. I'm glad your timer's still working. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it has been approximately 15 minutes. <laughs> I I discovered... So, I'm I'm getting caught up on my Sierra games that I haven't played. What with all of the Kickstarter things flying around and... Um, getting into uh, this started back with the king's quest 3 redux game the fan-made remake of king's quest 3 that i also reviewed on game cola look at this we're talking about all sorts of reviews it's good so that really jump-started my enthusiasm for adventure games again so i instead of just playing anything and everything that i had i was specifically focusing on the old sierra games that i never played through because i had more than half the king's quest series that i just never played i'd never tried leisure suit larry i played through all the space quest games but i uh, hadn't tried quest for glory so there were a lot of different sierra games that were classics in their own right that i'd never gotten to so i'm started playing through Leisure Suit Larry. And the third one has an interesting feature that I'd never seen before. There is a built-in timer to remind you to save your game every so often, and you can specify what the interval is between reminders, which is great because in Sierra games, death is always right around the corner, (laughs) and it's very easy to forget to save if you're not in the habit of playing adventure games like that. Remind me once per second. (laughs) Well, uh, what was it? In, I was watching Paul's Earthbound playthrough, and it has the reminder every once in a while, like, hey, you've been playing this game a long time. Maybe yeah. you should take a break. Whenever the Wii does that to me, I just yell at it and go, no! <laughs> and then my sister tells me that the Wii is calling me lazy. Uh, it was especially bothersome for Paul because he was playing with save states, so it just constantly bothered him about it. <laughs> You know, because he never technically turned his system off. But has it been 15 minutes yet? Can I say video games? No! (laughs) (laughs) Well, how much longer do we have on this podcast? I don't know how long you guys were going before I showed up. Uh, We've been recording for about an hour and a half. Uh, So, I don't know, we could wrap it up. I think we were were originally considering wrapping it up, but then we added you, so, like, there's technically... (laughs) We were going to wrap it up, but then we added you... (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, Michael had or Michael had to leave, so we were initially just like, well, I guess we'll just do a quick podcast, but then Anna showed up, and then you showed up, so we do technically have more people with more things to talk about. Well, that's why we have the podcast topic pile. Yeah, and I guess we don't use it as often as we should. Should we pull from the podcast topic pile today? Yeah, why not? Hold on. Sure. We we have this, for, for those not in the know, we have this top-secret document somewhere out there on the internet where we keep a list of random podcast topics that come to mind. And I say we, like we keep adding to them, but really there's this long stretch of like two dozen topics that was just me on a board day. Well, that's the thing is I, I keep, I'll randomly look at it every once in a while, and I'm like, it's gotten longer. <laughs> yep. <laughs> We, we also need to. Now. We also need to remove some of the ones that we've already discussed, and I think we need to remind other people that we do have a, a topic list that they can add to. I'm trying to think because I saw one. I glanced at it when I made the uh, this when I scheduled the podcast, and I forgot. Uh, oh, okay, it was this one. Do you have any food or drinks that you associate with a particular game or with gaming in general? Other than Mountain Dew. 
well, I think that was mine because at I believe at the time that I wrote that question, I was playing through the original Tomb Raider for the first time. Yeah. And the for whatever reason, I was always playing around time when I was starting to get a little bit snacky. So I would go out to the kitchen and grab myself cinnamon graham crackers. Like we just had this huge package of cinnamon graham crackers. <laughs> and so now every time that I have cinnamon graham crackers, I sort of think of playing Tomb Raider because that's what was always by the side of my computer desk as I was playing through that game. Yeah, I actually, like, for me, it's kind of a thing. Like, there are multiple foods that sort of, or drinks or whatever that remind me, or even just like, you know, weather patterns or whatever, like things that will remind me of a game. Uh, I actually, I keep intending to continue writing more memory cards installments. Uh, and I have one that I started to write that was about Xenogears because I got Xenogears for Christmas. And that night, I basically just sat there and played it. And during the Christmas season, my family tends to make Chex Mix. So, like, I have this connection now of Chex Mix, Christmas, and Xenogears that it, it's very difficult to, like, eat Chex Mix without sitting back and thinking, man, Xenogears, you know? I don't know. There's also, like, a certain brand of burritos that I used to eat when I, like, very first started uh, playing emulated games. Mm-hmm. And so, like... The generic, like, whatever we got, pizza burritos, uh, remind me of playing, like, Final Fantasy V or, like, uh, Seiken Densetsu III, The Secret of Mana 2. Like, the games that never came out over here that people were translating on the internet in, like, 2001 remind me of frozen burritos. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know about a specific food, but Earthbound was always the ultimate lunch game (laughs) because over summer break i you can play it with one hand you can use the l button uh to you can use the control pad and the l button to basically confirm everything so unless you're manipulating your inventory you really don't need anything other than l and the control pad which leaves your other hand free to eat a sandwich (laughs) no uh for me i would play earthbound on lunch breaks during school uh i was homeschooled so like i would do my work in the morning and then i would take a break and play earthbound for about an hour and then go back to school work so well that's one of the nice things about working from home they're doing some heavy construction on my office so i'm working from home part of the week and when i have my lunch break instead of you know not doing you know instead of being at work yeah uh still being at my computer i'm now at home and i'm on my lunch break so i'm gonna watch an episode of the a-team on netflix or i'm <laughs> going to try and play more earthbound zero for a while yeah so i'm it's it's great actually uh for me uh since peer reviewing other xbox live indie games is kind of technically part of my job i get to play video games at work <laughs> technically nice. so i don't know the thing, Anna, thing I'm like, <laughs> the thing I'm liking about college so far is that I have like, on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I have like two hours between classes, like each class yeah. usually. Yeah. So I can just come back and come back to my room and try and well, I tried to play the Animaniacs game a few weeks ago, that didn't work out well. Um, I can come back and then I can just sit here and do nothing. And play. 
to go to my next class, and then Tuesdays and Thursdays I have, like, five hours <laughs> to do nothing. It's great. But, um, as far as food or drink go with, um, a certain game, um, I don't know. Like, I don't usually eat or drink anything when I'm playing games, unless it's, like, the Just Dance games, because I actually use that as exercise, so I'd always have water with me. Mm. That's about it. You use it as exercise, so that gives you an excuse to snack, right? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's the bad thing about being here, is that I don't have my Wii or my Just Dance games, so I'm less motivated to do any physical activity. Yeah. Also, uh, I don't know, your roommates might hear a lot of commotion and be like, what is she doing in there? Oh, no, I've, I've just kind of I've put my iPod on um speakers that I have. I've just been dancing around my room randomly, but I locked the door. <laughs> that works. Yeah. I never actually lived in a dorm or anything. Uh, so for me, when I had... Were you home-colleged? <laughs> no, I I rode my scooter out about like a 45-minute drive to the university, and uh, because of that, when I had, you know, five-hour breaks between classes... I was sitting at college. <laughs> like, it's not really worth it to drive almost an hour home and then almost an hour back to go to my next class. Uh, and sadly, I didn't... I was I was too cheap to own, like, a DS or anything. Uh, so I just kind of checked my emails. I wrote for Game Cola, actually, around that period. There you go. I, I think I wrote uh, my Seventh Saga review while I was on campus. I used to actually leave Game Cola open on the like library computers as sort of like an <laughs> so other people could run into it when they sat down. Yeah, and hopefully not like immediately close it. <laughs> <laughs> but who knows? I would try that, but I think I'm required to uh, sign out when I'm done. So yeah, I think we... I also don't use the library computers so. Yeah, I uh, I think there was like an anonymous mode or whatever, like a just guest login, uh, yeah. and so I would just go on on that. And like I had my laptop with me, so I didn't really use uh, the library computers that much. But I would go on pretty much to look at Game Cola and then minimize it and leave. Who knows? Maybe we gained a fan. Maybe. You never know. Or that one person who votes one beard out of ten on every article. <laughs> Like, oh, I hate it when this guy leaves a game call up, and I'll show him. <laughs> he left game call open one time back in 2007. I'm going to forever go and downvote everything. Actually, uh, we've been kind of getting a lot of uh, higher votes lately. Like, if you pay attention to the top articles page, like, Everything currently on the top articles from the past month is voted... Pretty highly rated. Yeah, it's eight or above, which is pretty good. So... Yeah, that's cool. I don't know, like, I mean, I would like to say it's because we're getting more consistently good uh, content, but maybe we just have some fans who like to vote on things. <laughs> I, whenever, I, whenever I read a review or something, I usually give it ten views, so... <laughs> well, voting is also tricky because you've got people such as myself who try and keep it this vaguely objective perspective to say, okay, 
I this is a good article, but in the grand scheme of every article I've ever read, yeah, you know, it, because if if anybody's consciously thinking about the rating that they're doing, which is probably no, it's just gut reaction. Oh, this is an eight. This is a two. This is a seven. Whatever. Um, but people like me who th- think too much, is it relative to other articles on Game Cola? Is it relative to any article of this type, like game reviews in general, or is this just my gut reaction meter of I'm feeling right at this very minute, this is exactly what I think about this article, bam. Yeah, I have a tendency that I'll only really vote on something if it, like, stands out to me, and so I'll either not vote, <laughs> or I'll vote, like, a 7, 8, or 9, or whatever. <laughs> uh, but then there are other ones where I'm like, I'll read it, and I'll, re- I'll notice that it's rated, like, a 2, and I'll be like, this wasn't that bad, guys. And so I'll vote, like, an 8 to sort of... <laughs> Get it somewhere in between where I think it yeah. it's more where it should be. Uh, I I make an effort to vote on everything that I read, um, unless I am really struggling. The ones that I really struggle with, again, I think too much, are the video posts because I'm never really sure. Do I rate the written post itself of like what is the quality of the article introducing these videos I'm about to watch, yeah. or do I take it as a whole package of what? has been written plus the videos like the uh, i vote on my own articles as well and i don't just all do them 10 <laughs> sometimes i do nine <laughs> now i i do vote on my own articles and again try and keep it vaguely objective and the crystallis podcast videos i have no idea what to rate that because the post itself is fine it's okay but the videos i really like yeah so i'm like what do i do i need to stop thinking so hard mm-hmm. just let other people vote <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure myself, or because uh, like trying to compare the video post to the original posts. But this is also a collection, so technically, like, could we aggregate all of the votes from the original <laughs> posts and somehow force that on the video? You well, know? previously this wasn't a problem because at one point YouTube had a star rating out of five for each of the videos so it was very easy to vote the video or i'm sorry vote the post based on the content of the writing and then vote the videos individually on youtube out of five and right now it's just like or dislike so that sort of takes away from some of it yeah well but then again you know kind of talking about how i only vote if i think it was good (laughs) or whatever uh i feel like most people who vote either vote you know max vote or min vote they don't really judge in between most of the time. There are more options? What? <laughs> well, I know it was a debate for a long time with us moving from out of 5 to out of 10 or whatever. Like, do people really need it to be that fine? Or what about sites that vote, you know, out of 100? Like, what's the difference between having a 10.1 and a... Or, like, a 9.1 and a 91? You know? Video games. <laughs> Has it been 15 minutes? I think so. Well, and along the subject of ratings, going back to my backloggery, which another thing that I wrote about a long time ago for GameCola, this wonderful website that allows me to keep track of my collection of video games and my progress through them, there's a five-star rating system on the backloggery, and I've reviewed a decent number of games that are on my backloggery, so... It's tough sometimes when I write the Game Cola review and I give it a score out of 10. Yeah. 
and I'm the, the way I've explained it in my review, I very solidly stand behind the rating that I give it. And then I sit down and look at my backlogger and I say, why did I give this like a 6 out of 10 on Game Cola, but it's only a 2 out of 5 on my backlogger? Like the math just does not work out for that even if you skew it a little bit. Yeah. So I'm I'm constantly questioning myself like what do I really think about this game? Yeah, or when I look at some of my older reviews and I'm like, man, I would score that completely differently now. <laughs> well, I have gone back in and tweaked the final scores of one or two of the games that I've reviewed. Yeah. I mean, I've left the content of the article intact, but upon further consideration, yeah, they really don't deserve the score that I gave them, or they deserve better. Yeah. Actually, it is kind of interesting, like, for a while I felt like there weren't that many reviews on Game Cola, but I feel like we've been getting more as of late. There's nothing but reviews. The it's uh, I don't know what the exact numbers are, but it's something like a, a three to one ratio of reviews to anything else. At least it feels like that anytime I take a look at the queue. Yeah, uh, but I feel like for a while it was like a lot of articles and a lot of news and blog posts, or you know columns and the news and blog posts were mostly what we were getting. And then recently, I guess after I yelled at people, they they started writing more. Because actually, like Mark Friedman's actually been doing a great job lately he's been submitting like two or three reviews every month and uh yeah it really like the conversation topics for the podcast it really depends on who you've got involved and what kind of subject matter they're interested in so we've got some people on staff right now who really do like it seems to to focus on reviews the columns i think are starting to taper off a little bit but yeah we've got some attention on some of the other sections. Yeah, and uh, I think after my game is released, I will also start writing a little more. I've actually been kind of inspired to write recently. Uh, I just haven't had the time to do so, but it's an exciting time for the old G. Coles. I actually wrote something that wasn't a review for once. I was proud of myself. Yeah? Yeah, like the um, fan fiction that I posted. Oh, yeah, 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 that's true. I've, I actually had that. I've actually, I wrote that, how long ago did I write that? I actually posted it to fan and I realized that I wasn't going to have her for the month, so it was just like crap. <laughs> so I kind of just, I looked that up and I was like, I'll just post this, it's fine. No, well, it fits the site. Yes, it does. And that's like my only video game fan fiction. The other two are Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> well, you'll have to uh, struggle next time that you're busy for a month. I posted that over a year ago. Yep. I had trouble because uh, I wasn't sure if I should mark it with, like, spoilers because I didn't know if the information yeah, contained spoilers. it. Okay. Like, I had to ask Paul. I mean, I don't know why I didn't just ask you, but <laughs> uh, I think I wanted an immediate reaction, and he talked like we talked to each other regularly. So My step-grandmother. Um, she actually read it, and she was like, what happens next? I was like, oh, God. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, Sorry. I always find that weird when... Ah, uh, okay. I don't know if either of you saw it. There was a picture of me. I was on TV, apparently, in the background of something. Ooh, I have not okay. seen that. Okay, uh, a couple of friends of mine were watching a TV show, and I had gone to Megacon uh, earlier in the year, and apparently they were filming, like, a... TV show about cosplay and I was in the background like in one of the shots that they had and like 
at one point I actually literally turn and look at the camera and then turn back and friends of mine like took a weird blurry like odd angled picture of their TV screen with me on it and like I look like that old Bigfoot <laughs> that's record. just what I was thinking like <laughs> It's just, I don't know what they were thinking. But then, like, I got messages from people who, like, I never talked to, and they're like, hey, I saw some weird picture. Were you on TV wearing, like, a blue suit? And I'm like, can I please not talk to you about this? (laughs) I really don't care to talk to you about this. Uh, How's it feel to be popular? I know, I'm famous now. I'm on TV. I didn't even know it. Facebook. Is it time for me to say video games? It, it is almost time for you to do so. But I, I'm i going to try... It, by the time this posts, this may or may not have already happened. We'll see. I am going to try to finally do a video playthrough of Crystallis. Oh. For, for the GameCola YouTube channel this year. But... Not the NES version that everybody's already played. I'm going to try and do the Game Boy Color version, for which there are three videos on the entire internet, and all of them are the first ten minutes of the game talking about how it's nothing like the NES game, and that's the end of it. I have not found a single complete playthrough, or even a single review that really looks at the game as a whole beyond the first 10, 15 minutes. Uh, so I'm, I might just be making internet history. Wow. Somebody beats me to it. <laughs> oh, talk about outside the mainstream. Seriously. So that's, that's sort of... It's shocking to me, and it's not, because it's, it's a, an obscure game to begin with. It's a, <laughs> got a cult following to begin with. But the obscure spinoff of the game that has the small cult following <laughs> is pretty out there. Yeah, actually, I had been considering for a long time doing... A crystalis, uh, sorry, Nathaniel. Ah. <laughs> uh, a crystalis let's play, and I had started recording one sometime last year, and I'm I'm sitting here kind of wondering, you know, I'm you know I, I have a lot of free time because my game is in you know peer review. Maybe I could just do it over the next two days or something and get it done in time for the end day. Well, that could be fun, too. We could pull a Deja Vu and play two different versions of the same game. That's true. It could be worth a shot. Like, because it's it's not incredibly long. No, you can knock it out in about three hours or so, if you know what you're doing. Yeah, so, I don't know. Might be worth it. So that's my little bit of excitement that I'm looking forward to. I finally figured out a way to record it. I Recording is just a perpetual difficulty for me. It doesn't matter how many videos I've recorded for YouTube, there is always some problem that comes up. And recording long videos of good quality is generally a problem. People have suggested other programs to me, but every time I look at something, um, it requires me to buy the full version until I can record more than three minutes. Yeah. Uh, or it's got some horrendous interface. Uh, or just there, There's always some massive problem with everything that I've found that records more than 15 minutes. I'm using Cam Studio right now, which records for about 10, 15 minutes before it poops out. Mm-hmm. But that's served me well for the last several years. So that's... Uh, I'm, I'm now discovering emulators can record video. Oh, really? And they're not so bad. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> Who knew? So that's how I'm going. I'm I'm going to test it and make sure that it works first. But if it does, um, I'm at least going to do like half-hour blocks so as not to completely put a strain on uh, the emulator if something awful happens. Yeah, actually, uh, that was kind of 
part of what stopped me is that cam studio i would record for 10 minutes and then i would stop it and it would sit there for like five minutes while i was processing the video and so it would be like well i get to play for 10 minutes and then i have to remember to stop and then i go take a break and then i come back yeah if you're playing it on an emulator and you have the right emulator you can record video of what you're playing you'd need to add the audio separately or record audio in a separate program that, by running it, is not going to conflict with your video recording, yeah. and then just smash those together at the end. But it's it's doable. Interesting. I might have to check that out. But I don't know we're closing in on two hours, so maybe wrap this up, unless anybody had something exciting to talk about. Oh, I saved my excitement. <laughs> I'm a Going lot of excitement. What? what? <laughs> you guys are talking about Crystallis or Crystallis. Uh, I'm learning how to play D&D oh. at school. So that's nice. fun. Yeah. It's one of the useful things I get to learn. <laughs> actually, yeah, one of the, something that you will actually use for the rest of your I life. I am retaking the same exact math class I took last year, so Thanks. I don't know how that's going to help me. No, uh, actually, that's a good thing to bring up uh, because Nathaniel. Oh, that's right. Yes, so now that the made RPG has come to a close, it's time for another Game Cola RPG cast to take its place. And I had been threatening to do a an original Final Fantasy RPG cast, so I might just need to pull that together. Yeah, and maybe, uh, Anna, you can be part of that now that you uh, have an introduction to Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah. So... And I think to keep it simple, having learned from the Crystallis D&D cast, the reason why we're calling it RPG cast now, is that the D&D mechanics aren't necessarily ideal for everything and may require more training. So I think what I would do is sort of jury-rig my own uh, rule system that has that's based on D&D, but um, only really takes the elements that are most necessary and is sort of a hybrid between D&D and whatever the game mechanics are of the game that we're playing. So, but that's that's something to be worked out. So maybe once you know the the Crystallis recording is over and uh, a little bit of time to th- to think and to plan, yeah. maybe that's something to put on the table for. Maybe that's like my yearly thing with Game Cola now. Like October, November, I pull out a an RPG cast and then spend seven months recording it. <laughs> <laughs> that one just got out of control. It it went way longer than I think any of us was expecting so um this i would make sure <laughs> would uh stick to two sessions and then i just kill off the players like i always threatened. <laughs> sounds good <laughs> actually uh it is funny that you mentioned like october november december because when i was briefly looking through the old podcast recordings i was remembering again bringing back the whole like food relation to games or whatever mm-hmm. florida is basically hot all year round like, I don't think people really realize that, you know, it's not exactly the sunshine state, it's the, like, obliterating heat state. But October, November, December, it gets vaguely cool enough to actually maybe open the windows sometimes. <laughs> and so, like, part of my memory of the D&D cast was like, wow, I actually get to enjoy an open window for once as I'm, like, having fun <laughs> on this game. So... I don't know, and being that it's it's definitely not there yet, but it's I I'm, I have anticipations that I might be able to like actually go outside without killing myself in the next 
month or two. Today it was cloudy and cold all day, and then randomly at like five o'clock when we still had marching band, it, the sun came out, and I just looked up. I was like, "Where the hell did you come from?" <laughs> really, right now? Seriously. No, it rained all day, and it was still like eighty-seven. So, <laughs> and like, it's not a normal eighty-seven because I remember. When I used to live in New York, it could be like 93 out and we would still have our windows open. But the difference is it can be like 75 out here and the humidity just kills you. So Yeah. But anyway, okay. uh, I think this podcast is wrapping up. Oh, it's wrapped. Yes. It's got a bow on it and everything. Yes. <laughs> so thank you, everyone, for being here. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Unless you weren't referring to us and we're actually speaking to our audience. <laughs> In which case they're they're cool too. Yes. Uh yeah, so thank you guys for being here. Thank everyone for listening. Uh if you like what you hear, go to our actual internet website, gamecola.net. If you're not listening to this on YouTube, which apparently is where most people seem to get the podcast, uh you can find us gc.net on YouTube. We're also on Facebook and Twitter, just search for GameCola. And we're on iTunes. If that's not where you're listening to us, you can also search for the Game Cola podcast on iTunes. Subscribe, rate us highly, do whatever it is that people do on iTunes because I refuse to install things that are Apple products. But, no, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you everyone for being here. And goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Everyone should also follow us all on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, fo- follow all the rest of the Game Cola staff on Twitter as well. <laughs>